0: good morning hillside. Uh, it's good to have you here on this particular day as we kick off our missions. Um, we got back, uh, Friday evening, uh, from Romania. And I want to just let you know that I had the adventure of my life and to be able to be a part just a small part of watching Kirk and Violetta and Hope Partners International, uh, get on the scene and figure out. I've seen Kirk do, you know, Hope Center work. He's got seven Hope Centers, he can do that. But I've never seen him show up on a scene like the one we encountered there. And uh, the two of them figure out how to strategically bring aid to this kind of crisis, which I think somewhere serving around up to 500 families figuring out how to do that. And so, um, I mean, I've just thanked him over and over again for that opportunity to have seen and witnessed that and to be a part of it. Um, You know, tons of things I could share. I only have a couple seconds. And it was just beautiful to see these folks come across, you know, women, children coming across and, just dire straits, emotionally and physically and spiritually and in every possible way. And, uh, and the Romanian people. You know, there's been tension between Ukrainians and, and Romanians over the years. From different reasons, I, I discovered. And when you're coming across the border with an uncertain future, you've left family behind. You don't know if you'll ever see them again. You have nothing with you. And nobody's taking Ukrainian money right now. And you get across that border, and with all the problems you have on your back, the last one is, is there anybody over here that's going to care? Is there anybody over here going to care about us? And I'm going to tell you something about the Romanian people. They have stepped up, and they are providing love and care. And my conversations with lots of ladies and teenage boys, teenage girls, about what it's like to be in their shoes... And you hear them talk about what they left and the circumstances, you know, we got 15 minutes to pack. And everybody says, we got to get out of here right now. And with all that on them, you should see the gratitude in their eyes and in their hearts over top of all those other emotions filled with gratitude that there are people on the other side helping. And all those people who are over there trying to help, they don't have the resources to do it. Imagine if we just flooded a bunch of people in here and need help. Everything you're doing you gotta stop doing. Everything you're using your resources for, you gotta stop using it for and, and and bring it to bear here. Kurgan Violetta come there with resources from here. And provide those people with help to care for the Ukrainians. So we as a church are just grateful for the expertise that you bring to a situation like that one on the eastern coast, there. And there were no other major organizations there. They're all in Poland, where millions of people are crossing, too. But to be on that east coast where there's not a whole lot of people and they come across there, and like, what do you do? And to be there with Hope Partners was, was a special blessing. So, thank you very much.
1: I want to thank Hillside for sending your pastor over the years. Most all of you know the story, how that he goes all the way back to one of the teenagers in my youth department when I first started in ministry. And even then, God connected our hearts. And whenever Pete gets a call from me and I say, Pete, I'm about to throw you a curve, he's got to get his passport and his suitcase ready because we're on our way. But I want to tell you um, from my chair, you know, in, in a huge disaster like we're facing over there, I need help, and Pete, with his maturity and experience as a pastor, we had a network of about forty or fifty pastors, both on the Ukrainian side and the Romanian side, and uh, we work in in six sectors. When a disaster happens, whether it's this war, uh, another war, a, a famine, an earthquake, you're looking at six different things that these refugees face that you have to almost immediately stand up with your team or people die. And uh, I watched out of the corner of my eye when Pete would go to these pastors and put the big old Italian hug on them. And I would watch the tears run down their face as God used him to encourage them, follow up on my and Violet's directives, I knew at any given moment if I fell over, he could stand as the leader and and direct in in this response and the personal encouragement that he was to Violet and to me especially. Um, You know, when people in front of you face the realities that the Ukrainians do and the sacrifices of the Romanian people, this this is the number one Romanian in my book after this trip of all the Romanians in Romania. My wife was born in Constanza. Her mother still lives in the same communist building that she grew up in, a three-room apartment. They survived communism. She came to the United States, put herself through graduate school and college, and God held her as a gift uh, for me and our family and for the work that we were doing. But I'll tell you who the big boss is that's, the, that's this little lady standing right here. And so we had an incredible uh, opportunity, and in the work still lies ahead. We laid a foundation, built a team. Uh, we probably have we have a core of eight staff and, and then the surrounding staff of probably 100 volunteers uh, that are doing this response work. But I can't say to you enough that uh, uh, we, we didn't take an hour's break, Um, you can't during this kind of response. I could not have done it without your pastor. So from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you for sending him over to help us and and, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about it in the message this morning. Thank you, pastor, baby. After I got done with the first service, I didn't think I did real good, and um, I think what's happening is that, that uh, as we've just gotten back in a little over 24 hours ago, and I'm processing by talking to you about the stories, whether that's globally with all of your missions partners and what we're doing, or this humanitarian aid crisis and this war in Ukraine. Uh, I've come to realize my emotions are pretty thin. And uh, I told, we went to have lunch, your pastor and I yesterday, and a little sweet little girl that uh, waited on us had attended your youth department here back several years ago. And I asked her for a full glass of ice and, I'd, and a glass of water. I said, full glass of ice. Enough ice that it, it almost looks like it's, it's going to fall out of the glass when you bring it over. I feel like that's the way my emotions are right now, Um, not just for the refugees, the people that we are ministering to, but they represent all the men, 18 to 60, that had to stay behind, not trained as soldiers, fighting a war for their country. And if you've watched the news, you know, it doesn't quite make make sense to all of us that we see, you know, two million people cross the border in Poland. Why is that? not Romania, 300,000 into the the border area where we are. It's because the the Polish people and the Ukrainian people's language is 40% the same, and the closest train stations to the border that will move people on into Europe and beyond is Poland. And so for whatever reason, and I've come to learn about God after my 40 years of ministry, that He is absolutely sovereign, And every detail that He is moving you toward the needs of people with are ordered by Him. And so as I begin this morning, these first few sentences that I want to share with you, I've asked God uh, since yesterday. Well, before then on the the plane ride, it's 11 hours uh, plus uh, a layover and three hours more. So about 15 hours uh, coming back. And I was on my computer I was trying to think through what I might say. What was it that God wanted me to say this weekend? This is a commitment that Dave and I made a long time ago. I want to thank him for his, his continual support of our organization as the director of missions. I want to thank um, Gail for her hospitality. We always stay in their home, and she's such a sweetheart. Today she's making me sugar-free brownies. Can I have a witness?" And um, uh, I thank the Lord for Mike. I sat and listened to him prepare for today, and I think he's an incredible gift uh, uh, to us here at Hillside and the worship team. This young lady that was here in the middle, I don't know what her position was, I went backstage and she's got a gift. And I thank the Lord for all that worship does for us here before Pete, the master, exegetical teacher gets up, and I'm sure not in his, his league. Um, but Hillside is my favorite church. You go to Vimeo, you go to all my YouTubes, and you'd say, oh, you'll say that next week, and so I don't say it. If there was ever a church that I would move my wife and I to that city just to go to that church, it's this church. And I thank the Lord for you. You have no idea how vital you are to this initiative. You have no idea how vital you are to these missions partners and the work that God's called us to around the world. But I am very troubled coming back home to America. While I was there in the war, there we were on the border, I remember it very clearly. I forgot to tell this story in the first service. So we travel from the city of Constanza on the Black Sea, north about 60 kilometers to the border of Ukraine and Romania, and there are military personnel that are there, customs agents, and you see this this flood of women and children with a bag of clothes, the kids dragging little suitcases, and um, they pass through that checkpoint, and as soon as they pass through the checkpoint, just the other side of that gate, we have a pastor, a little short Romanian pastor... He's got one of our yellow vests on, and it says on the front in Ukrainian, we're here to help you. And he speaks these four or five languages. He's talking to them, talking to them. And about 100 meters away, he's directing them to a little small Baptist church. And inside that church, we've bought uh, uh, mattresses and beds and everything, crammed them in on the floor. And it's the very first stopping point they have to get tea or coffee and something to eat. But people don't realize that in any disaster in the world, our son Matthew, who's worked now 13 years with Samaritan's Purse in Iraq, oversees uh, that entire country's refugees and, and all, I was calling him just about every day to say, Matt, make sure I'm not forgetting something. And he said over and over again, he said, Dad, the number one need those people have, don't forget, is to feel safe. You may have heard on the news that while humanitarian aid organizations are surrounding all the boundaries trying to provide relief to these people, the human traffickers are also doing that, exchanging sex trafficking for food and medical supplies and shelter and and all of those kinds of things. The best of humanity comes to help, and the worst of humanity comes to collide with that. And I believe with my whole heart that the first people that ought to show up in any disaster in the world come from the, the hands of Jesus. They are God's people themselves. And in a minute, I'm going to talk to you about this thought that someone uh, uh, posted on social media this week. They said, why is it that we all rush over there to help them when we have so many needs here? And if my, lo- my arm was long enough… I would have reached through the social media sectors and gone to wherever I could find that person to jerk a knot in them because the commission that we have is not only at home, not only nationally, but to the very ends of the earth. Matthew 25, when that crowd gathered around Jesus and Jesus said, you know, I was I was tired. I had no place to sleep. I had no food to eat. I was sick, and there was no one there to care for me. And and the crowd looked at him, and they said, but when do we know that you were without shelter, sick, and hungry? When did we know that? And he said, what you did or did not do for the least of these, you did or did not do for me. And so down inside the depths of our heart, All of us, I believe in a church like Hillside, we all want to do something. Some of you have the ability to give, and you have given, and you will continue to give resources. Others of you don't have those resources, but you can give a shared story. You could go to to Hope Partners International and share one of these videos or one of these stories. When we left, we told all of our neighbors around the cul-de-sac we're on our way to Romania and Ukraine. They all think we're crazy. But I've gotten messages and notes from them that say we're praying for you and we know you're over there and we're following that and we're telling the story. Tonight we have a meeting at five o'clock, and they they and let me say, let me stop here and 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 say Chris Chance. And his dear wife and uh, Brian Hodges and his wife and the team that surround us for this India Initiative, they're waiting on Violetta and I hand and foot. When we landed uh, f- a Friday night, Chris Chance was there, and I watched him as he grabbed our suitcases and was dragging them out to his car and stopped at the drugstore for us, and he helped me rent a car uh, for next week on our travels. Uh, just in, it, They represent uh, the heart and soul of Hillside. And I thank them for that. But I come back to this thought of what we are doing, we do as if we were doing it for Jesus. Once we get that commitment in our hearts, it's a pretty singular focused commitment. But what the greatest enemy is in America to both those of us in the church and out of the church is ease. I've got a quote I want to have the guys put up on the screen. It says this The greatest enemy of an anemic relationship with God is ease. In a crisis, we have no one to turn to but God. My son Matt, after about a week, I was talking to him in Iraq. And if you remember, about a week ago, missiles came in and hit toward our consulate office in the city of Erbil which is about a half a kilometer or a kilometer away from where my son and his wife and all of their team live. I called him on the phone and I said, "'How you doing, son?' He said, "'It was a little noisy. "'We're going back to sleep. "'We've been through this as a family before.'" And then he said to me, "'Dad, remember, here in Iraq, "'if it had not been for this crisis "'and all that the Yazidi people "'and the Iraqi people and the Kurds faced, we would have not had this platform to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ through the acts of compassion that we do. So that's what we find in this horrific atrocity that we call Ukraine right now, where many of our refugees that cross from Maripol, the pounding that it took this week, the first thing the Russians did was knock the bridges out around the city, not to keep the military inside, but to pulverize and dishearten and, and kill the Ukrainian civilians. Some that escaped came in and talked about as the sirens alerted, and pastors in a network would get a hold of people and say, we've got 15 minutes. We've got to escape now. One lady that I saw was sitting there, and her hands were scraped and her knees were scraped. Where she had fallen, the walk is is, is almost 150 kilometers from the Odessa re- region down to the, the border. And, and it was cold while we were there in the low 20s with 20 to 30 knot winds blowing. And they walked day and night, day and night, day and night with these little children to get to the border and walk across. And when I looked out there and saw this, you'll never see him in the news. He won't ever make the big social media pages here in the U.S., a little pastor that spoke four language, standing there with, 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 with comfort and compassion in his face and voice, and directing them over to a church to say, we welcome you and put our arms around you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a hero. And then we began to fill vans up. Ukra- uh, uh, Romanian pastors that said, we're willing, Hope Partners has has two vans over there. It was really the first time I'd seen our vans. We have two homes over there, a boy's home and a girl's home, boys and girls in there. And, and we were being shuttled around in these vans, and I kept putting Pete up in the front seat where the floor was rusted out, hoping that, uh, that the floor would break and he'd have to drag his feet. But we would fill these vans with uh, food. It cost us $3,000 to fill a van with food. And then non-food supplies, everything from diapers to everything you can think of, soap and et cetera, et cetera, and then medical supplies. And as the war raged, we got reports back that they needed real triage medicine. So those vans cost us about $5,000 to fill up. So when you hear people before we left gave resources to do this, we were able to fill vans, repair equipment. Provide shelter. Uh, we rented a one star hotel, paid uh, uh, electric bills, uh, uh, water bills. We have 366 families we're caring for full time when we left on Thursday. Well over 500 now, but hundreds more that were passing through or in transit. We had one family that had Ukrainian money, you couldn't spend it. And, and when we went into the little church, the, the grandmother was just had her face in her hands, weeping, because they needed to get to Poland to a cousin to where they were staying. So we could say, Violetta opened her computer, she bought them bus tickets, and on they went. Because somewhere in the world, did you ever have somebody in your life, somebody in the past, you never got their name, but they showed you some act of kindness, and you've never forgotten it? I look back in my life at at people that that God allowed to pass through to shape my life, that one day when I get to heaven, I want to go past them and say, I remembered that for my entire life. That's what we do. And in the midst of it, we're operating these global hope centers. Your focus is India. But my heavens, we've got uh, Costa Rica, 500 children there. Getting ready to build our second hope center there, raising money for that. That will double, that will double our our children. We'll have 1,000 children there. Venezuela in that bankrupt country, we've got more than 1,000 children there. 150 of them are babies that mothers' bodies are in such malnourished condition they can't feed the babies, and we're taking care of them. Then we go over to Africa, more than 600 children. And the Hope Center of the the largest two slums in Central Africa, Sri Lanka, birthed out of the Easter bombings a few years ago, and the work that Noel and his team are doing over there with hundreds of children. And then in India, we have two Hope Centers, soon to have three, Uh, and now Romania, and the work that God's called us to there in the midst of this crisis. But God did something unusual during this last uh, two-week period of time. We didn't recruit uh, Christian Broadcasting Network, they called us. And and you can tell we didn't know what we were doing because I'm holding a little phone in front of my wife and I, and it's my entire face that's taking up the screen. <laughs> Channel seven, the, the affiliate in Tampa, Florida, where our home is. The the, the one of the Anchors called us and said, hey, we hear you're from here. We want to report on you guys. It is broadening the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what this little girl right here was singing a few minutes ago, and I wanted to weep. I thought, worthy is His name, the name of Jesus. And we all do our part. And Hillside is a committed church. But I've got to say to you today that if we're not careful, I told Pete early this morning he was up at 4:30. We're still seven hours off our body clock, and uh, I'm sitting there at the table and I'm trying to think of what I can cut out of this talk. You know, I've got 10 minutes and 57 seconds left, and I think, God, what do you want to say? And I'd like to draw your attention. I know you're wondering about these three chairs. Got three chairs up here. They represent three different people. This chair represents a man after God's own heart named David. That's what the Bible called him, man after my own heart, not a perfect man. His son was a man that was confused in his priorities. His name was Solomon. Solomon. And their grandson was a man that lived in conflict, walked away from God and anything to do with him, name is Rehoboam. If you look at this one family, your family, my family, we sit back and say, right now I'm doing my very best as a grandfather, nine grandchildren, three children, all their spouses. I want to finish well in my life. I can see the end of my runway. David sat in a chair. Let's call that chair commitment, okay? Solomon, his wives led him away from the things of God, and all he did in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 was feed himself. We call this the chair of compromise. And then as a result, Rehoboam, David's grandson, walked away from everything related to God. Now, folks, with all that Hillside is and represents, as we talk in these two weeks about a global focus, we cannot possibly do this without you. Not only your monthly support, but the sponsorships. There's about 50 families in this church that support, uh, sponsor a child in in India. 50 families. We have probably twice or three times that many children in India. And after the service, our folks will be out there in in the booth out there, and it would be a tremendous help to us if I could get you to sponsor some of those those kids the way you do in Honduras and those other places. It's the backbone of our resources. And by the way, 94 cents of every dollar you give goes to the field. I don't know if you know much about um, about uh, the standards of the percent of dollars that go to the field in organizations, but we have the highest ECFA rating that there is, Charity Navigator, and we work so very hard. That, other six cents is bank fees, and and just a little bit of operations. But because you give and trust us, Hillside is a committed church. But the slide is always downward. And if ease is the enemy of our relationship with God, Pete and Violetta and I just came out of a war realizing that those women and children in a crisis, have nobody to depend on but God. And so in our ease, we slip. You know, nobody really knows. Nobody really sees. But we slip over here to compromise. And I must plead with you this morning for the sake of the hope of the world. That if you're in the seat of compromise, if you've begun to think things, see things, do things that you didn't do when you were over here in this chair. You need to get out of this chair and get back in this chair. Because I want you to know that in just a moment of time, your grandchildren are going to end up right here. I pray three things every day for my grandchildren every morning of my life. I pray the same three things for those those nine grandchildren. Number one, that they not only know Jesus Christ, but they know him deeply. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of 20-something-year-olds today walking away from the faith that they claim they once had. I don't want my grandkids just to know him. I want them to know him deeply. Number two, I want them to have experienced the remarkable works of God, not just hear it from their grandpa. That's why it was Dave talked about these missions trips. It is hugely important to get your kids, your grandkids to the mission field as early and as soon as you can. Because they will see some things that you simply don't see here in the United States. Because we are covered up by so much. And we live these lives of ease. So this first chair over here, let's call this chair the… Let's call this the winner's chair, all right? We know when we're in this chair that it's the best opportunity for our kids and grandkids, for this church. When I say this is as solid a church as I've experienced in my 40 years, the minute I whisper those words I said to Pete this morning, we have to watch for Satan, not just in our personal lives, but in our church. Because about the time we start hearing about anything that is not Christ-like, we've moved over into this chair. And missions suffer, evangelism in our city suffers, the union gospel mission suffers, these partners suffer, and we've made this subtle shift over here, and we've quit on these things. And then all of a sudden, one day we wake up. There's a denomination in the state of Florida where we live. At one time, one of the greatest denominations in the state. They have 400 churches in our state and 300 are up for sale right now. It's a slow, gradual shift downward. And I've got to say to you, my friends, we know this chair. No, do we not? We know this chair, do we not? That's the winner's chair, this is the loser's chair. You know what I'm most concerned about today? This chair, the compromise. This is what I call the gambler's chair, because there are men that are here this morning that are sitting in this chair and, and, and family or nobody really knows, and you're gambling with your legacy and the legacy of your family for the next five generations. And so we come in this morning, and my message to you is is to get back in the right chair, or the mission can be lost. How do we keep the church and our family from sliding? Number one, the example for them. Are you talking about at home the things of God? When you get done with this service right here, there are all kinds of missions partners out there, things you can sign up for, training you can go to, uh, sponsorships that you can line up for. There are all kinds of things that you can do. But one of the very first steps is, is when you hear the message, if God moves on your heart and the Holy Spirit prompts you, what is it that you're going to do? As Pete said a moment ago, he was at one of our two homes, and a little girl by the name of Denisa, 11 years old, I believe, had a face that you just said, I'm taking her home. Abandoned, orphan, and Pete leaned over to me, and he said, don't even think about it. She's mine. I said, dadgummit. And he and Gail are sponsoring that little girl. The first sponsorship we'll have in Romania. What's your example? What is the environment that we're, you're going to build around your families that we're going to maintain in the church? You know, when Pete got up and, and did his first opening year vision messages, there was two-part, and I think he, he got sick or something and had to do it like the third week, and I was upset. The first one was so good, I was in Florida saying, I can't wait for the second one. I had to wait another week for the third one, and I thought, every church in America ought to hear this. I hope you own it. The environment we create around our families, the experiences that we give them. I hope when you get in your car today that you'll say to yourself, What did you kids think or what did you learn? I was at the coffee machine here a few minutes ago, and two girls had just come out of, I guess, their Bible study classes, and they had two little things that they They painted and put together, and I asked them, I said, did you just do that in Sunday school, my old term, or Bible study? Yes, sir. I want them to be impacted by the environment that they're in. I want them to be impacted by the experiences they have. And the last thing I want them to to experience is the examination you do for yourself. A good talk that a husband and wife should have about how we examine each other. Talk about the things that we want, that we partner with. I'll be done with this. So the last night that we're in Romania, we're in a little clean, good hot shower, cheap hotel. And my wife, she grew up tough. She was in the communist gymnastics program, grew up under that world. She doesn't cry much. And so I'm tired, I go climbing in the bed, and she's sitting up in the bed on the other side, I look over tears are running down her face. I said, "What is it?" And she said, "I've not ever seen conditions like these children face right now." I said in my heart, "Well, we're going to do something about that." Every one of us put together can make a difference in this world. So here's the last story and I'm done. So we have these old vans, and it's really kind of funny. We got the Hope partner's things stuck on them. We've paid the money and got them filled up with medicine and food and all that stuff. And these little Romanian pastors come up that are willing to drive them all the way to the Odessa re- region in the war to drop them off to other pastors. You know, I, I, was, I was coming home and catching up with my social media to see what my director put on there, and I saw this myriad of all this stuff people put on there. And I go, do we really understand? There's a fellow by the name of, I think it's Florine. Did I pronounce that right? Florine? A little short fellow with a perpetual smile on his face. He's in one of the vans, and we walk up. They're driving to the war with these supplies. We get together as pastors and we pray over them. Their families are there and they have no idea whether they'll come back or not. I remember saying to Florine, What's the hardest struggle of three days up and back? He said, I'm so tired I fall asleep at the wheel. I said, Let me go with you. He looked at me and he said, No, Pastor. I said, No, you've got to let me go with you. I'll go no pastor. I said, why not? He smiled and he said, because you've got to go back and tell the people in America what we face. And off they would go with three van loads of stuff. We'd track them all the way up there by cell phone and they'd turn around and when they made it back, first thing they said, let us get one day of rest and we'll turn back and go again. That's what your resources are accomplishing in the name of Jesus. Now, nothing would make me feel better, nothing, nothing, if I walked through those double doors and saw all the way across all those global partners, you out there talking to the partners. And I have to be a little bit um, hopeful that for those children we yet need sponsored, that you'd be up there 10 deep to where we could take care of these children and not have to worry about the, the cost of it anymore. I'm going to close with a video, and then your pastor is going to come our director put this one together. I got it about 4:30 this morning. It opens with six Ukrainian girls that are playing one of my favorite old hymns, and you'll see your pastor and our team and these remarkable people as they are serving the largest humanitarian crisis since World War II. Thank you for listening.
0: So you know, every, every year this time, spend two weeks trying to give folks who've come to Hillside maybe that year and hadn't been here, don't really know our hearts, don't really know what matters to us, don't know who we partner with around the world. And if you're one of those people, I want you to know you're a part of a church that does sit in that committed chair. And we would like you to join in caring Nothing else. These two weeks are just designed to help you figure out what it is God wants you to wrap your heart around. It doesn't doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is, but something has to have your attention and your affection beyond the typical stuff. And if it does, nothing God can't do with you. So today the focus. Union Gospel, right in our own backyard. It's a Hope Center, right in our own backyard doing amazing work with leaders from this church. And then we have, particularly today, India. Which Kirk, we weren't there, he only had one Hope Center. Since we've been there, twice I've been there now, another Hope Center has started and they're about to get a third one. And we are the first church, first church, that get to hear today that there's a bunch of new girls that have just joined. We had 50 of them out there. The first service sponsored 32 of those 50. There's 18 left and I said second service will kill that. So let's get rid of those, let's deal with that 18. Let's make sure those kids are sponsored and be the first ones in this new initiative there. Thank you for all your support, prayers, everything. Uh, because God's done great things. We have more to talk about. I, I wish I had time to tell you all the stories and all the things I'm thinking right now. We just, we just don't have it. But let's stand to our feet now and uh, we're gonna be dismissed. Thank you, Kirk and Violetta, for being here. I wanna tell you something, it's hard to give a, you come off of a trip like that, he did, we didn't have, there was no time to give prepare for a talk. You got to do that in the hours, wee hours of the mornings that you have left with just exhausted. And and to be willing to come off of that plane, be here for a day and figure out what to say to you today, I'm just really grateful for your words and your work.